Welcome to another episode of the TRN Server Podcast. I am your host, Philip Schmitz, or also in the Xbox World, Boy88. I want to say thank you to Anchor for providing the platform to create a podcast. And I'm joined by a couple of guests uh, back from the old NLRA days. Um, this is when I met both Hey Catra and uh, I'm going to call you Dom or Paulo Q, whichever you prefer. Um, how are y'all doing this afternoon? We're filming on New Year's Day of 2022. What's up? Uh, I'm in good. Let's hope uh, 2022 will be a better year than 2021. So, especially for racing. <laughs> well, 2021 wasn't that bad. It was better in 2020. Um, well, yeah. That's. Um, Katra, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, just looking forward to get this uh, new year started. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, I'm interested too. We just have to wait another month and we'll have racing. Uh, got the Chili Bowl, I believe, is starts not this upcoming week, but next week. And then we got the Rolex 24 at the end of the month. And we'll get uh, a version of that later on per iRacing. Um, but let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, hit the NASCAR news. Uh, not much really this week. It's been a light week in general for all motorsports. Brandon Brown, though, announced sponsorship from the LGB Bitcoin brand for next season however it's there is no official word by nascar if the sponsorship or the paint scheme has been approved and then the only really note is bailey curry to race for jd motorsports xfinity for 2022 um any y'all want to comment on either of those two things i mean no not really um no i don't really know much about bailey curry um haven't really seen much from him on the track, maybe because really he's at the back of the field a lot. But, you know, good for Bailey Curry, though. I'm the same way. Um, if I remember right, JD Motorsports, that's where Josh Williams raced last year. Um, and Josh is racing for BJ McLeod. So I think that's the seat that Bailey Curry takes up. Oh, switching to Formula One. Uh, during the week, a top 10 was presented of driver rankings provided by drivers themselves voting, which had us create our own top 10 list. Um, the F1's version was Max Verstappen is P1, followed by Hamilton, Norris, Sainz, and Leclerc to round out the top five. Alonzo, Gasly, Russell, Ocon, and Mick Schumacher as the top 10. Uh, Dom, go with your top 10. Uh, what did you think? Uh, who was the best in 2021? Well, I think the best, uh, and for 2021 was, in my opinion, was Lewis Hamilton. I think he, uh, should have won a championship, but we had the controversy restart, but it all, uh, that happened. But for P2, I have Carlos Sainz. Very well done for him and Ferrari. Be his teammate, Charles Leclerc, in his first year at Ferrari. Uh, P3 off Max Verstappen. The reason why I'm not in P2 is because he was really aggressive throughout the season. He's been, I think, aggressive throughout his career. But the risks he took was really not that great. But 
you know. So for P4, I have Lando Norris. Not much. For Lando, but he did a very well job in 2021. George Russell, I think, overperformed in Williams, which is very good. Um, P6, Fernando Alonso. Seventh, Esteban Ocon. One Hungary was one of the best races I watched, in my opinion. Uh, Pierre Gasly, P8. Sergio Perez, P9. And Sebastian Vettel P10. And I do have an honorable mention, and that is Antonio Giovinazzi. I wanted to put Giovinazzi in the top 10. It's just, uh, he had that stretch where he was qualifying brilliantly in the Q3 for, I want to say, the month of September. And then it would, the races was just, it would just unravel. Um, but I, yeah, I, um, I don't, I, I agree if you're list, um, especially with Vettel and Perez. Um, and oddly enough, you didn't say the last name of a driver that none of the real drivers said. Katra, what's your top 10? Uh, so. Echo, you want to say that? Your dog? <laughs> no, it's echoing. Okay, well, I just this maybe it's just my voice talking. Uh, first, I have Verstappen. Obviously, won the championship. Uh, Three hundred and ninety-five and a half points. Eighteen podiums. Ten victories. Ten poles. Six hundred and fifty-two laps led. A pretty dominant season from him. That's pretty much what we've seen uh, throughout. So since Bahrain all the way down to uh, Abu Dhabi. Pretty good season from him and the Rebel team as a whole, beating out Lewis Hamilton, uh, who was second of the championship and second on my list with 387 points, one and a half point, with 17 podiums, only one less than Max, eight wins, five poles, 297 laps led. So you can definitely see a considerable drop between Max and Lewis there. But it was really close all the way to uh, the last lap of the last Grand Prix. And uh, it was great to see from a fan's standpoint. Third, I have Carlos Sainz, and uh, fifth in the championship, 164 and a half points, and a new team coming over from McLaren. Not many people thought that this Ferrari move would be really good, uh, but it was quite the opposite. You know, four podiums. He had 15 straight races where he scored in the points. Uh, only didn't finish in the points in two races. No DNFs, and his lowest finish in the entire season was 11th. So that's really impressive, and a new team and beating Leclerc for that major as well. Fourth, I have, I believe enough, number four, Landon Norris, sixth in the championship, 160 points to his name. Four podiums, a pole, 31 laps led. Um, he definitely matured from my vision from 2019 to 2020. I've seen a big step up from Lando, and uh, I could possibly see him as a threat if McLaren puts a good car in for 2022 for the future. Um, that mainly is shown like, not throughout the season, but one thing I do want to touch on is Russia. That was one thing that I really showed, or that he really showed us, I guess I could say. Uh, his maturity and his skill to actually go and put up a fight. I mean, the McLaren is definitely not on equal peggings with uh, the Mercedes or the Red Bull. But he straight up put the fight to Lewis and honestly, arguably would have won that race if that rain didn't come down. And, uh, well, we all know what the story from the rest of there. But, I mean, I think he could honestly put up a fight, depending on how McLaren puts their cars and obviously beating Ricardo, who who thought they were, you know, pretty much got Daniel Wynn to be that uh, that experienced driver, the number one driver, basically. 
not necessarily they're both equal, but that's the thought process. Daniel was going to be experiencing. He was probably going to be the one mentoring Lando, and it was it couldn't be the more opposite. Uh, Lando beat him 15-7 in qualifying and 14-8 in the race. Um, I guess he really showed he was the top dog on McLaren. Uh, Leclerc, I have fifth, seventh in the championship. Ironically, fifth, sixth, and seventh in the championship are third, fourth, and fifth in my list. Uh, Leclerc had one podium, two poles, 60 laps led. But from myself, a little disappointed from him, if I'm really honest. He has a lot of pace, but his consistency just wasn't there. Uh, I mean, in fact, he beats Carlos Sainz in the head-to-head. You know, he was 14-8 in qualifying and the race. He beat Sainz, like, I guess, statistically-wise, but the amount of races, like Monaco comes to mind. France, both Ferraris were a little iffy, but he was down in, I believe, 17th or so. There was a couple races here and there that Leclerc was in a position to have a great finish and was either his fault or not. Basically, it was thrown away. So... Um, if he needs to rebound in 2022, I think he can. It's going to be tough to beat that Ferrari lineup, though. But it's also going to be tough to beat this man at six, Fernando Alonso, obviously coming back after a two-year hiatus, or I guess technically three-year. Um, obviously, in a new team with the Alpine, finished 10th in the championship, 81 points to his name, with a podium at Qatar, uh, an average finish of 9.05, which is a really good finish, especially for the Alpine team that was kind of up and down, not really consistently open parts of the year. Um, and Hungary was a huge thing of, I mean, really, he could still put up that fight, that, uh, the battle he had with Lewis, incredible. And, uh, pretty much led the way for Esteban Ocon, his teammate to win that Grand Prix. And we'll get to him in a bit. Seventh, I have Pierre Gasly, ninth in the championship, 110 points to his name, a podium, but it's kind of up and down with Pierre. 18 Q3 appearances, basically beat his teammate 19-1 in qualifying, uh, 17-5 in the race, but a lot of his issues were more so on the car rather than, I guess, himself. The AlphaTauri's rave pace just wasn't there this season. Um, but he still brought it up in qualifying incredibly, I believe, fourth a couple of times. I believe he even started, what, P2, his highest at Qatar with uh, the Kryptonese for Max and, I believe, Valtteri as well. Yeah. Uh, eighth, I have George. 15th in the championship with 16 points. And that is a huge step up from the last couple of years we've seen from him. Uh, Dom said it best. He definitely overperformed that car. Uh, he got a podium. Uh, there's an asterisk by it, but it's still a podium regardless. Four Q3 appearances and a car that everyone argued was not going to get better than 17th. They were going to battle Alfa Romeo. And he's over here putting it in Q3 a couple of times. Uh, that brings me to Spa, which everyone had uh, kind of a sour taste in the mouth. But regardless of what happened in that race, he still put that car up there in second in qualifying on raw pace himself in the wet. And that is incredible to me. And it shows his real pace. I think he could put up a fight in Mercedes. I don't think he's going to beat Lewis like a lot of these guys have been saying. But that's also if Lewis uh, returns, which is not confirmed either. Uh, he, you know, obviously, he beat Latifi 16-6 in the race and 16-5 in qualifying. So once again, Looking like uh, he could be pretty strong. We'll see what he does in Merck next season. I said we'll go back to him. Well, now we are with him. Esteban Alcon. I have him ninth in my list. 11th in the championship. 74 points to his name. Only seven points back from his teammate. But there's a lot of inconsistency from Esteban. I mean, a podium. And that coming in Hungary, where he uh, won that race after a huge battle with uh, Sebastian Vettel. 66 laps led. 
And we've seen a lot of improvement from him, especially from that 2020 campaign a season ago, especially against Ricardo. And uh, that's something that is um, good for Esteban. We need to see that steady improvements. And Jetta was one big thing from him as well. He put up a fight and uh, did the best he could. Unfortunately, was taken uh, that podium at the line. Uh, Valtteri seems to do that a lot nowadays. And finally, rounding out my list, I have Daniel Ricciardo. It's kind of a touchy subject, but it's kind of hard to not put him in the top 10. Uh, obviously, he's in a new team, eighth in the championship, 115 points. He had a little bit of a drop-off um, compared to a season ago. Oh, he just struggled a lot. But you see, he was also a, what was that, 55 or so points behind Lando, which I already touched on. He was supposed to be the mentor to Lando, and it kind of seemed the other way around. One podium, a victory, obviously, at uh, Monza, and that was a straight fight. And he pretty much deserved that victory. That uh, Only won two in the season, and McLaren was the only one to do that. 48 laps led, but like I said, he just struggled. And uh, we'll see if we can turn that around and see if McLaren can uh, go stronger in 2022. But I do want to have a longer mention, uh, Mick Schumacher, as much as I, uh, it's a touchy subject with him. He did put the, put that car, that Haas, into qualifying two multiple times, uh, and I had no business being there. Yuki Sonoda was also a good name out there as well. I want to see good improvements from Mick and from Yuki in their sophomore season and see what they can do in 2022. You know, you touched on Lando's maturity. Uh, second race of the year, he gets a podium at Imola. But, you know, a mature drive up Monaco to get a podium. Monza, I think, also showed his maturity. Yeah, he finished second. McLaren won two. And he was happy for the team, happy for Daniel. Um, Russia, he could have absolutely just, you know, gone after to the team or whatever after throwing that race away. I mean, I mean, the rain just changed everything for him. And I think we showed, he showed how mature he has become in his third year. Um, the thing with Max, and this is why I had him number one is outside of the retirements at Baku, Britain, uh, Monza, outside of Hungary, where he had damage and he didn't get the result he could have gotten. He finished on the podium in every other race. Um, I mean, that's a p- quite impressive form for someone that's this is the first year he was li- literally in the championship fight. He's always had a strong car, but he never had a car that you could equally take the fight to Mercedes and Lewis. Um, yeah, um, there's some surprises that like not Terry Bottas wins a race and we don't have him on the top 10 out of our list. Um, uh, I hope that uh, Terry rebounds at um, Alfa Romeo next year. The last bit of F1 news, and this came out yesterday. Patricia Ward to possibly get seat time for McLaren and free practice for 2022. I guess he's going to be their young driver uh, for next season. This stems off the back of a Ward. He was at uh, Abu Dhabi for the postseason test. Uh, he won that via a bet by his boss, Zach Brown, that if a Ward who races an IndyCar for McLaren wins a race, he would be given a proper test, which he got after he won Texas. What do you think of a Ward's future? Could we see him in 2023 for Formula One? And if so, is that bad news for Daniel Ricciardo? I mean, what's your takes on Patricia Award? I guess I'll go. 
Sorry. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's it's sooner or later than ever. Uh, Patricio has pretty much always been destined to go to Formula One in one way or another. Uh, obviously, with the Red Bull test, which was unfortunate, he didn't have the uh, super license to get up because I guarantee you, Red Bull would have probably had him still there if he had that super license all those years ago. But going over to IndyCar and to McLaren and showing what he can do and uh, obviously that test, it's it's clear that it's going to happen eventually, which is not good news for Ricardo, like you just said, because, I mean, he struggled. I said that yeah. in my list, it's not going to go, but he struggled majorly. And if that happens again and Lando is out there fighting for wins, for podiums, if he's doing that and Ricardo is – seventh eighth ninth or like he was in the beginning of the season 13th 14th 15th if that happens again i can guarantee they are going to think twice about ricardo for 2023 and patricio could be a great fit i mean the aggression i mean if you think look at me look at it a lot of the drivers are getting in now they're younger they're more aggressive they're not so laid back or stappen like i said leader of that bunch just won the championship patricio has raw speed he has the pace he has the aggression levels, and he knows when to back off. He could be a strong pairing for Lando in 2023, but he also needs to perform in IndyCar. So if Ricardo doesn't perform and Patricio doesn't perform, we're not having this conversation. But if Patricio does another season like he did this year and attempts for that championship in IndyCar, I can see him in 2023 if Ricardo does not. Dom? Yeah, I agree. Um like you said, if Carl if Carl doesn't uh, you know step up and perform better than twenty twenty one, for me it's like fifty fifty if a war can be in twenty twenty three, um, you know, obviously with that test, um, a war is gonna want to perform better in IndyCar, and that's gonna be a problem for for Carl if he does not perform well in twenty twenty two. So we'll see what happens. I mean, when Zach Brown started McLaren and IndyCar, he wanted to bring in drivers that could potentially be an F1 at that time, one being Patricia Ward, the other being Oliver Askew. Uh, currently, Felix Rosenquist drives for the team. I don't know if Felix has any potential for being an F1. But, I mean, people forget with Award in Indy Lights, he beat Colton Herta for the championship. And... No disrespect to Colton, who for a brief minute was being talked about going out for a Mayo with the potential Andretti buyership. I think Award is just as talented as Herta, if not maybe slightly better. And you talked about his aggression. Yeah, he is an aggressive driver, but he is also kind of sort of, he knows when to stick his nose in there and he knows when not to. Um, I, I, I would love to see him. I would love to see him stay in IndyCar, but I would also. I think I know he's not an American driver, but to have another young North American Mexican driver in Formula One, I think that would be a great thing because I don't know how long Sergio Perez is going to be in the sport. Um, I don't know. I'm 50-50 on it as well. Um, switching to IndyCar, and we'll kind of stay with McLaren. Spawn in our Discord uh, posted it. Uh, this information after uh, finding it out by via David Land and I couldn't find the information but Spawn is usually spot on when it comes to this stuff 
the ageless one, Juan Montoya, to be the third driver for McLaren in the Indy 500. So there goes the question of it could be, you know, a surprise driver. Um, how long do you think Montoya is going to race, Catra? Yeah. Um, Elio is, you know, up there with the Montoya as well in age, and he's still putting up fight. So I think as Montoya, as long as he has the interest, he'll go for it. Yeah, Dom. Um, like Katra, like, like Friday said, as long as he wants to, Montoya, I think he's a good driver. So as long as he, you know, does good, if he wants to keep continuing with doing it, then he might be in there uh, for longer than. I mean, I'll be honest here. Throw Montoya F one car, and you might be surprised at what he can do. Still, um, I mean, his a talent. In my opinion, Montoya is in the same breath of air when it comes to Tony Stewart, AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, uh, just guys that are just great in different categories. Uh, Stoffel Van Dorn to be at McLaren in 2023. Uh, he did have a test, I want to say a month ago, with the team for 2023 options, and that test went well. Uh, Van Dorn races at Mercedes for Formula E, but they're backing out at the end of 2022. Um, I wish Stuffel was in F1, but since uh, leaving McLaren, I believe 2018, just it was pretty clear whenever they put George Russell in the car for Bahrain and uh, Nat Van Dorn, who was the reserve driver for Mercedes at the time, uh, just kind of shows his future of F1. Thoughts on that, Dom? Um, no, I, I don't think I have any thoughts on that, but I will say this Van Dorn, um, I think he is a great driver. Um, so, I mean, I really don't know what to say about this. So, I'll just uh, leave it for Fridays. Well, Katra? It's tough. I think Van Dorn will, uh, you know, obviously try his hand. He was successful in Formula E. Um, I haven't really caught up with the championship there. It's just kind of hard to come by, especially where I am. But, um, I mean, he didn't do bad. I think, what, Mercedes won the constructors? Uh, I'm in the same boat with you when it comes to that information, if I'm honest. <laughs> so I, I, believe, I believe they did win the constructors. So I think I heard about that. If I'm wrong, well, then I'm wrong. But he still was competitive in Formula E. And uh, yeah. it's a complete different boat than Formula 1, which he did have uh, that go from, what was it, 2017, 18? And he had a couple moments in 2016 or so. But unfortunately, he was just against Fernando Alonso, and that's—I mean, you're, you're kind of kind of the same situation with Esteban Ocon, which is why I was surprised of how well he did this season. Is yeah, Fernando, the guy could pick up anything, and he pretty much turned coal into diamonds. And Stuffel just didn't have that chance. Basically, I mean, Fernando was incredible that season, especially 2018 comes to mind. I think he has a good chance. Um, he could try and continue what he has in Formula E because it's somewhat similar, not necessarily, but it's you can still carry some traits over, especially from Formula One and Formula E, take an Indy car and we'll give it a go and see how it goes for him. And hey, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, he's had a pretty uh, decent career. He still made it to Formula One. That's something that a lot of people can't say. He made it to Formula E. And did a pretty good job there. Made it to IndyCar. I mean, hey, I would be happy. 
I remember when uh, Robert Wickens made the jump in 2018. Uh, Van Dorn was asked, and he was not interested in, in IndyCar. But then again, like you said, he already had aspirations to be in Formula One. He wasn't Formula One at the time. I think now with IndyCar, you've seen Roman Grosjean make the jump. You saw what Robert did in 2018 before he had his horrible accident at Pocono. Felix Rosenquist is in IndyCar. I think it's a great option to where, hey, if you want to be competitive and have a good seat, IndyCar offers that. I mean, Grosjean had three podiums in a Dale Coyne car that has a half of the budget of the car he's going to go in next year at Andretti. So, um, I mean, he's kind of the same boat with his teammate currently in Formula E with Nick DeFries, who tested for Meyer Shank. I think IndyCar is in a good place right now. Um, I'm really excited what's going to happen for them in the upcoming years. I mean, here's a name I'm going to mention that has had Formula One experience. Um, I know the race didn't go well uh, at Bahrain for him, but the last bit of note, Ed Carpenter Racing in the next week or so will announce the driver for the 20 car when it comes to their street and road course program. Ed Carpenter will do the ovals. This was a car uh, occupied by Connor Daly the last two years for the street and road program. Uh, with having sponsorship with Air Force. However, Air Force pulled out at the end of this last season and will no longer sponsor Connor. However, it's Connor Daly, Ryan Hunter Ray, and Jack Aiken uh, rumored to be in line for the 20. Uh, Aiken had a test with uh, Ed Carpenter at the same time that Stoffel and Nick DeFries had their test. Um, I want Connor in that car, I'll be honest. But, um, I'd be interested if Jack Aiken really gets that seat or not. I, I don't know. Um, that's really about it. Um, now we go to the uh, iRacing, and this is kind of going to be fun for all of us because we all have it, and y'all are two are going to partake in a, an event in a couple of weeks that uh, I'm interested to see how that goes. But, um, Dom, you've had iRacing for, I want to say, a little under a year, if I'm not, if I'm correct on that. Yeah, I just, I recently looked, I had since January, actually the end of January, so almost a year, not there almost. yet, but yeah. And Katra, you've got it this last month, and you're either doing commentating or you're on iRacing. That's, that I is. can tell that's what you've been doing lately. That's uh, exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are the positives? I've had iRacing for uh, since March of 2020, what are the positives of iRacing um, and what are some of the negatives? Dom, uh, how about you go? Uh, the negatives, I can name a lot. Uh, but the number one negative is the netcode. Obviously, netcode has been around since the start of iRacing, but I yeah. think it's going to be around forever. So it's it's not the netcode, it's not going to change. It, there's going to be a lot of instance with netcode, it's just not going to change. If iRacing can fix netcode, I'll be surprised, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, positives, I think it's just the racing overall. The racing is fantastic. It's so realistic. It's the closest thing you can get to driving uh, a real race car. It, it's a sim, for good sake. I mean, you know, can't get any better than that. Catcher? Um, the positives for me is severely outweighing the negatives. 
um, the first off, the variety of series uh, you, you can have in iRacing, you know, the, the NASCARs, the Indy cars, IMSA, uh, you have endurance, like in European endurance, basically a, I guess, a great value WEC, if you want to say. Uh, you have the rally crosses, you have the super trucks, you have uh, the late models, and not even getting into the dirt. I am, that's not my expertise, but there's a lot more you can do in the dirt. And it's insane the amount of uh, variability you can have and variety in those series. And you could, I mean, you could do whatever you necessarily feel like doing. I mean, let's say you're an IndyCar feature head and you're having fun time in IndyCar, but you want to you go try out, you know, dirt and go get into the late models or to the wings, have fun over there. And it's even better now with the addition of the W12 Mercedes-AMG Petronas uh, 2021 car. Yeah. Oh, a lot of Formula <laughs> fans, myself included, are flooding to iRacing at the side of that car. It's incredible, which leads me to the next point. It's just the realism they have with the car, and especially the tracks as well. They, laser, they spend time on every car, every track they put into the sim. And that's something that is light years ahead of a lot of other platforms. I mean, I've heard, obviously, from myself playing a little bit, but ACC, is that, of course, competitive to CONA? It's pretty good with their laser scanning, their GT3 platform, but it's just those GT3 cars. Now take that and blow it up tenfold, and it's just the size. I mean, to go back on what I was saying a second ago, the Mercedes Formula One car, the W12, the systems and the intricacy you have on that car, it's second to none. I mean, brake magic. They have the brake, uh, what is it, brake swapping or whatever. Uh, you know, the brake... There's so many different brake systems that I can't even just fathom. And it's it, incredible how detailed they are. What amazes me about iRacing is how much you can play with it. You can literally, you can just do testing. But like when it comes to setup, you can literally, you have to be an engineer to do a setup. Like <laughs> it's just pages and pages and pages. And I'm sitting there going, okay, this isn't like, NASCAR Heat or F1 2020 or any other game that you played via Xbox. And it's just the level of details, you know, of the car itself. And some of them are a handful. Um, I remember the first time I was going through it, the ARCA car. It took a bit for me to get used to. Um, same thing when it came to, like, the new Dallara P217. Uh, it's just every car is different to detail. And it's then you get to the tracks like y'all both of y'all mentioned it's just the detail they have in terms of everything that you see is exactly what you would see in real life and the tires okay that's probably been the biggest sort of i don't want to say complain of or more of needs to be worked on maybe i i would say but like when you leave pit road they're cold you know like you have to warm them up or you're going to be all over the place. I would say probably the one negative and you ought to have experienced this is it sucks when a wreck happens and you get hit from behind, you get a four X by something that's not even remotely your fault. That part I hate, um, especially like in the Arca series. Um, uh, and Katya, you've just went through that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Okay. Well, personally, in that, regarding the incidents, the, uh, what is it, the, the no fault or whatever, the 
complex word is for it. I prefer it more. And that's a little unpopular opinion, but it's true. Because it saves coding, especially if you think of it from us in the uh, Formula One side of things, the F1 2021 league racing. They give, it's pretty much coded in that it gives you a penalty. So you could have a contact with someone and they can pretty much shove you off wide and you can grab that penalty for it because the game registered that your contact ledgers compared to them determines you would have gotten the penalty, even though it's not even close to what would have happened. So it yeah. saves, the, this no-fault system saves, I guess, a quote-unquote virtual stewarding from getting it wrong. It's, hey, you hit this guy, you have it, and you have it, both of you hate it. And compared to, hey, you hit this guy, and this guy got a penalty. So not only does he have some possible damage, and his race may be in shambles now, but he has a penalty on top of that that wasn't even his fault. Sure, it sucks. Yeah. It's something that is unfortunate well, to have the, that 4x or that 2x or whatever but it's i mean it's better than nothing yeah dom i'll make to arca we all been through um arca was a pain really um really <laughs> arca, arca is like i i still see it as a rookie series yes the rookies come in the d class but I, I still see them as rookies of how of a mess it is sometimes. Yeah. You have to like get like a high I rating. I have like 2K I rating in Oval, and I feel safe if I have that I rating when I drive in Arca. But if I have like, I don't know, let's say 1500 I rating, 1300 I rating, 1200, it, I'm not going to race that. I'm just going to yeah. yeah not do that. I will uh, catch. I don't know what your I rating is, but Dom, I'm about the same boat. One thing I've noticed is in those I rating, when you're in that top split race, it is a lot better of a race. The problem I have had is I get my teeth kicked in because those tough, guys yeah. don't. Those guys don't mess around. Like I yeah. wouldn't qualify and I'm be 14th. I was like, oh, this is okay. And then 10 laps into the race. The guys who are up front, they just fly away and they're like, oh, well, their tires will die. No. <laughs> I'm like, how <laughs> do they do this? And they probably do it way more than any of us three do eye racing. But I mean, I, I'll get done with the race and I'll be like, you're dealing with guys at 5,000, you know, 3,500. Like, oh, well, no reason why I'm finishing 16th. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. Um, well, the fact that we were touching cars and stuff what is your favorite car to drive in the game and what is one car you wish they could add on in the future Ooh. oh this is a tough one um my favorite car is gotta be the one that i recently bought the dalara p217 that car is so fun to drive it's fast it's yes it's cold the tires are really cold when you get all the pits but once the tires are warm, you just fly. Like, it's unbelievable. And so, that is the first car I'm choosing. And then, so, yes, you, it's tough to get through the G, the slow GT3 cars compared to you, but it is so much fun. Um, a car that I, that I want to see get out to everything is Formula. That, that's that's a good a one. Yeah. That's kind of a car that I've been wanting to see for like a few months now. Um, I hope it happens, but we'll see what iRacing does in the future. Catra? Huh. I didn't even think about Formula E. 
I did. I, you know, Chase. when Dom said wow. that, I was like, I had to think they don't have a Formula E car. So that's a very good, no. that's a very good point, Dom. They need a lot of street circuits for that too. I would love to see St. Pete, Monaco, a lot of these street circuits added in. If they do add that, that'd be cool. Toronto. But personally, my favorite car is kind of split into two. Um, and ironically, both uh, built by Delara. You have the uh, IR18, the IndyCar. Because personally, when I was growing up, I didn't really have the opportunity of seeing many uh, IndyCar races. But when I started to see many uh, IndyCar races, I was hooked. And there was nothing you could do. You couldn't play a game. Because, I mean, was, uh, 2005 was the last game they released. Yeah, yeah. And... I had no option to, you know, just try it out and have some fun in IndyCar. So I've been always wanting to drive iRacing just for the IndyCar. And it doesn't disappoint. It's incredible. I love the IndyCar. The oval racing is amazing. It's, to me, honestly, IndyCar racing, personally for me, is decades higher in enjoyment than NASCAR racing. At least for me. But there's also, it's difficult because the other side is the Delara P217, like Dom said. Because it's fun, but it's difficult to drive and it's rewarding. Because the braking system on that car is so intricate. It's not, P, it's not P1 level or Formula 1 level, but it's, it's difficult. It's so prone to lock up. So if you put the brakes on a little bit too hard, and I mean, you're going to lock up regardless but the way your brake bias is going to be di- directly determining on which tires will lock up. I mean, you'll hit the brakes and let's say I run around 47, 48 brake bias, especially around Daytona when I'm trying to you know, practice for that. It's, it's depending on, cause like if I go into turn one off the banking and isn't everything's not perfect. I'm looping around rear tires, go lock up. You're in the barrier. But if it's in the horseshoes, it's quite the opposite. It's just different. But once you drive that car right for X amount of hours, X amount of stints, it rewards you for going fast and knowing what you're doing. And it's incredible. I love it. And what's the one car you'd like to be added? Um, it was kind of difficult to figure out one. But I kind of came back on this. The last, since we're having the W12 from Formula One, why not complete the circuit with the most updated, I guess, next, I guess, because technically they are even in development and uh, intricacy. A WEC, either LMP1, like the Toyota TO, uh, TSO 50 hybrid, or the new Toyota hypercar. One of those two. Imagine those two going around the mall. Um, I I think the Toyota is on there. Uh, I know the Porsche LMP1 car is, but they have the um, Porsche. Oh, they do have. The they have the Porsche and Audi. Yeah. Uh, okay. Car. Okay. I, they have the Toyota. I have the 919, and there's nothing more exciting when you press that boost button. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's you unload the thing, but it's like, oh my gosh, you're, it's like the Millennium Falcon. Um, <laughs> I would say I. Hmm. I do love driving that the IR18 um, for the same reasons both of y'all just mentioned. Uh, I 
for some reason, maybe it's because I had that was a car started. I do love driving that Arca car. Maybe I don't like the people I'm around in that Arca car. Um, and the Xfinity car as well, and NASCAR. The one car I would love iRacing to put on, give me a late 90s Reynard or Lola cart. Give me one of those. Um, you, you know, you talk about your passion of IndyCar, Catra. Um, that's when I started watching the sport. And that was back in the cart days where you had Ganassi was in there, Team Green, and uh, just the sound of those engines. I mean, they they were as loud as the F1 engines uh, in that time as well. That's the car I would want. Y'all both talked about the P217, and it's interesting I'll talk about that because in a couple of weeks, uh, Katja, you'll be driving for BRL, Dom, PPR, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes. Okay. So y'all are going to have a go in a virtual 24-hour Rolex race at Daytona. Um, talk about it. What challenges do you think you're going to face going through this event and what do you think is just basically what's your mindset going into it? Uh, biggest challenge to three traffic. Um, that's going to be a handful to manage through. Um, it, it, it already is much of a handful when I'm doing MSO races. Uh, I, I recently did some at Luka Seca, walking going, you know, and another challenge staying awake when you're driving. Maybe. I don't know. You might need coffee. Yeah. <laughs> And, and maybe and maybe like a three hour nap on top of that as well. <laughs> Katra, I don't disagree with your point, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, said it earlier. The consistency of this car is going to be huge. I mean, obviously the GT3 traffic is going to be make or break. But get to GT3 traffic if you don't drive the car consistently, because one. One lap, you can have a perfect lap around. Let's say you hook up the lap and you get about a 33 mid race pace. Incredible. But the next lap, you do a 35-1, and now you're basically, you just completely negated everything you just made. So having that kind of consistency is not going to be beneficial over the course of 24 hours. So that's going to be a huge challenge. But another huge challenge is going to be the, uh, I guess, the mental and physical strength. That's a huge one. Because, I mean, that's a long, long race. But the determination of prowess as a driver. Because not everything is going to be in your control. You know, obviously, if you drive an IMSA race, there's a lot more factors compared to, let's say, you drive an ARCA race. Let's say you drive and all of a sudden someone in front of you spins and you hit the back of them, you had nowhere to go. That's not on, that's not, not on you, but you still had some control. You had a chance, you know. But in an IMSA especially in the Rolex 24, you're not always in the car. Yeah. So you could be driving, let's say, hour five, hour six, and having a two, three-hour stint there, but you're third in line of the car, and by the time you get the car, I mean, the floor is damaged, you have some amount of unrepairable damage, and you're basically 17 laps down from the leader, and it's basically over, you would think. that You're going to have to still drive your best, even though it's, there's no chance. That's going to be a huge challenge as well. Because, you know, I mean, not everything's in your control. It's going to be funded. No. Yeah, and I hate it, out, too, but... when, uh, you know, you got to think the GT3 cars are running their own race as well. 
I hate I yep. hate it if cars wreck each other. Let's say like a two three car wreck for GT three, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you get involved in that mess as well. That would suck. Honestly, I hope that doesn't happen to me or my other <laughs> teammates. But you know that is a factor. So. Yeah, I think, you know, the challenge is, is going to be going through the GT3 traffic. I mean, they're still doing their race at the end of the day. And, you know, you got your race to do and be consistent with whatever position you're in. Um, but also not stick your nose into a, a situation you shouldn't be in. Kind of be patient with them. You know, at, at night, you have the ability to flash your lights to give them uh, awareness of, the, hey, you're coming daytime. I don't know how much that's really going to help. Um you know, I've always just treated it as, you know, a relay race, you know, go in there, do your job, try not to get involved in any accidents, keep the thing clean for the next person. And then vice versa, the same thing, same thing. And, you know, just see kind of what happens at the end of it. Um, in the final couple of hours, um, going to, once this whole event ends, um, what's the one thing you want, want to uh, take away from this race? Uh, Catra, you go. All right. Personally, I think the best thing I could go with because this is my first iRacing event, especially for endurance, is just experience. Um, just the knowledge of how these events work, especially on the iRacing sim, and you know, just gain a little bit of knowledge because I, I have a little hopes to do some more. This is not going to be the first nor the last uh, chance I'm going to have at one of these. But I want to give it a shot and get experience, learn the most from it. And, um, you know, and it wouldn't help or it wouldn't hurt, I guess you could say, to uh, to win the thing because uh, all are the uh, defending winners of the race. It was a season ago. And before that, they were second. So we'll see if we can try to keep on that streak. But I just want to experience. Mm-hmm. Dom? Um, like I just said, experience and to, you know, mainly just have fun. Um, it's my first time for an endurance race. Obviously, for myself, I want to do more, you know, mainly Sebring and Spa. I want to do those endurance races. Um, yeah, I don't expect to to win and all, but like, just have fun and enjoy myself. You've mentioned you've done a handful of these endurance races already. Um, how many have you done, and do you think any of those races will help you translate going into it? Um, I think it might because the experience, you know, the more you do the endurance races, the more knowledge you're going to have of how the car is going to react, how the track conditions are going to change. So, yeah, really, it will help. It's just all about experience. It will help you a lot. Okay. Um, I think one thing y'all both will need as well is like whenever that race ends, I'm probably not going to hear anything from y'all for the next 24 hours as y'all get caught up on sleep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, um, last couple ones. Actually, the last one. As much as we've talked about how big racing is in terms of detail, the cars and the tracks, you can literally race with anyone that's within iRacing. Um, us three, and Bailey is also in there as well. Spawn's in there as well. But actual racers, 
Have you had the pleasure to be in a practice session or in a race with anyone that's in actual racing? Uh, uh, or Dom? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, I actually been in a fixed race in Xfinity last year at Atlanta. Um, I got into a race with Ryan Vargas. Um, I think I remember if he qualified second, I think. But uh, in the opening laps of the race, he spun out and wrecked. So it wasn't his fault. He got wrecked by another driver. So, yeah, that was, that was cool to uh, see another racing driver um, in our racing. And I hope to see more. <laughs> well, it is the off season, so... They might be on iRacing just to fill the void of racing while we all wait till the actual racing gets here. Katra, how about you? I haven't had the sim for long, so I haven't had many chances. But it's ironic because uh, I believe the first two days I had the sim, um, I believe I got into one lobby in a carb cup at – actually, no. It was a pickup cup at Daytona with uh, Jeremy Mayfield. And uh, it didn't last long. The big, uh, the big one happened uh, literally in lap one, turn one. So he didn't get to, you know, share the same track as me for long, but it was cool. Yeah, uh, I had a practice session at Arca Talladega with Jeremy, and that was kind of cool. Like, oh, I didn't even know he was on our racing. Um, Dom, you mentioned Atlanta. I think it was last season. No, it was the season prior. The week that Josh Berry got announced that he was going to have some races at JRM, he happened to be at Atlanta, and he was on pole, and I believe he won that race. Uh, But everyone that heard the news congratulated Josh of that. Um, Let's see. Um, I did get put in the wall by Chad Canales at Michigan. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) I look in my mirror when I do that. It was for Carb Cup and for practice and i did i was just leaving pit road and i looked and i was like oh is that who i think it is i'm like oh okay because i didn't know chad canals was on iRacing then like five minutes later i'm leaving pit road again and then he leaves behind me and um he gets a good toe uh off of four going down the front stretch at michigan and goes uh, i give him the inside and I guess he thought I still wasn't there, whatever, and he puts me straight in the wall, and I'm spinning in the uh, in the infield laughing, and he comes on the radio and says, "Hey, I'm sorry," and I tell him it's all cool, and um, I actually need to resend something to Hendrick because uh, uh, his wife reached out to me and said that uh, he would sign the photo I had, uh, but no, that was always cool, like you being a practice session with some of these guys and like actual guys and. Uh, they don't talk. I've noticed that. Like, did Jeremy or uh, did Jeremy talk in your race, Katra? Nope. And Dom, you were at Vargas. Did he say anything? Uh, I think I think he did. They were just talking about the wreck and stuff of how it was uh, the other guy's fault and how it wasn't his fault and what happened in that in that situation, but. Other than that, he didn't speak in a qualified session or press session. So, yeah, I mean, I think most of these guys just want to come up here and just log some laps. And, you know, you do have those people that see their name and want to ask a thousand questions. And I can see where that kind of gets annoying. I bet they're in their own little chat thing uh, that you can set up on iRacing. 
Um, well, I hope this episode does go well. We did have some Wi-Fi issues. So um, if, it, if there's some differences or things that are wrong in the iRacing part of the conversations, I apologize about that. Um, but we're going to close the show now. Um, we touched on it in the beginning about 2021 and 2022. Um, we saw some great racing in 2021. We saw a championship fight in Formula One for the first time since 2012 involving multiple teams, uh, drivers from multiple teams in both the constructors and drivers. Um, IndyCar probably had the best season it's had in, I want to say, two decades. I mean... It, how competitive the field was. We had three drivers in the championship fight and the final race. We had fivers that were in the discussion with like three races to go, you know, Dixon, Pillow, uh, award Erickson, new garden. I mean, just tremendous, uh, NASCAR was saw Kyle Larson light the world on fire. Um, we saw an amazing championship in the Xfinity, Series and actually just a great season experience. A great twenty twenty one was. We did also uh, lose some key figures. Well, not the best to ever do it when it comes to being a TV pundit and Formula One with Murray Walker during preseason testing. Uh, we lost Frank Williams a couple of months ago, uh, legendary owner for Williams uh, and winning nine championships. Uh, with both constructors and drivers and in the IndyCar side, we, we had the passing of Bobby Unser, uh, Al Unser and Robin Miller. And, and the NASCAR side, we did lose Eric McClure. And as we close the show, we want to give a moment of silence and have a very successful 2022. Thank you for joining.